know what you would call it if it's like soft swinging, but you don't like fully switch, if that makes sense. Hi, I'm Rachel Hampton. And I'm Madison Malone Kircher. You're listening to ICYMI. In case you missed it. Slate's podcast about internet culture. And for a brief, dismal moment, we must return to the trial who shall not be named because it's the only thing on any of my social media platforms since the verdict came out on Wednesday afternoon. I mean, social media feeds. I was out last night in a bar with a friend. We obviously talked about this verdict and then we're like, okay, let's talk about happy things. And then I spot the bartender imitating doing a sneaky bump of cocaine. No. I immediately can tell that he's doing an impersonation of what like certain folks would like you to believe Amber Heard was doing on the stand. That is one of the many theories that make the least amount of sense. But I, we don't have time to get into that because all we're all we're talking about is very briefly is the fact that after six hell-filled weeks of testimony, the jury came back with the finding that Amber Heard defamed Johnny Depp in a 2018 Washington Post piece that did not name him. Um, she now owes him $10.35 million, but in a weirdly paradoxical twist that makes no sense if you think about it, they also found that one of Depp's lawyers defamed Heard when they called her allegations a hoax, and so she was awarded $2 million. So does this make sense to me? No. Am I a lawyer? Also no. <laughs> Are any no. of the people on the jury? Also no. The jury, which we didn't actually mention this in our our last episode, the jury which was not sequestered. So keep in yep. mind that this jury was able to see all of the shit on the internet that you all saw day after day, TikTok after TikTok after paid far-right Facebook post. As soon as the verdict was read, um, as I said, most of my social media feeds turned into a grim place to be. There was and continues to be a disgusting amount of pro-Dep content celebrating his win, including my favorite, and by favorite I mean the one I would like to be launched into the sun, a tweet from the House Judiciary GOP that was just a gif of Jack Sparrow, in case you are wondering who exactly is siding with Depp. I when the verdict came in, tweeted logging off, and I meant it. So I actually hadn't seen this. Thank you so much. I am so sorry. I thought about tweeting logging off, but I knew that I wasn't going to log off. So I was like, let me not lie. Something I did see, however, is Kelsey Weekman over at BuzzFeed is compiling a list of celebrities who have liked Amber Heard and Johnny Depp's respective Instagram posts following the verdict. Yeah. Uh, it's telling. It's informative. I might say shocking. I was shook to my core. I love Kelsey, but also, Kelsey, why did you make me have to see this? I'm upset. <laughs> I, you know, there were some people that were unsurprising. Let's say Ryan Adams, the yeah. person who has faced similarly terrible allegations from women. You know, but there were some people on there who just surprised me. Mm-hmm. Jennifer Aniston. Amanda Knox. Suni Lee, the gymnast. Bella Hadid, Naomi Campbell, Amy Sedaris. Halle Bailey of Chloe x Halle, not Halle Berry, which was a brief mistake that I made. And I was like, girl, but I'm still like, girl. The list is longer than the one for Amber Heard, shall we say. But you know who's on both? Tell me. Jason Momoa, who starred in Aquaman with Amber Heard. The woman was too stunned and too tired to speak. At any rate, you know who we can keep? Selma Blair. 
Honestly, I love Selma Blair. She will always be my favorite person. Legally Blonde. Legally Blonde 2 should have had her in it. That was a travesty. <laughs> like, speaking of crimes, that was a crime. I mean, the larger crime is that clearly Vivian and Elle Woods should have gotten together. They are each okay. other's foils. Yes. Yes. Madison. This is the pride content we need, I say, as the straight woman in the room. But yes, clearly, clearly Luke Wilson did not need to fucking be there. Also, it took me years to realize that was a pun on Legally Blind. Years. Years. (laughs) In case you can't tell, with Rachel and I just grasping at anything uh, resembling (laughs) levity, uh, I don't think we can talk about this trial very much more. But if you are still looking for information or want to hear more about it or the chilling effect that it is very much going to have on survivors in the future, uh, we definitely recommend you go back and listen to our episode from Wednesday. It's called How Depp v. Heard Broke the Internet. And uh, it's a good one, if we say so. It's terrible, but it's good. That makes sense, right? It does. It does. And what also makes sense is that we have spent too much time on this trial and don't want to keep us or y'all living in it for too long, at least on this show, Unfortunately, the impacts will be with us and will be a part of the larger discourse for much longer, not least because Marilyn Manson is now suing Evan Rachel Wood on similar grounds. But we are pivoting. We're hard pivoting. We are turning so fast to the right that it might cause a traffic jam because I can't I can't think about this anymore. We're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, we're going to talk about a revealing and dramatic and potentially delusional interview with former One Direction member Liam Payne. He gave it on Logan Paul's podcast. LP, LP, there might be something there. Uh, And (laughs) after that, we've got high-speed downloads on YouTubers who are embracing colonial living? Question mark, question mark, question mark. And one of our most requested, I believe most requested topic of all time. Oh, without a doubt. The Mormon mommy influencers who are swinging with each other's husbands. Sometimes I really do love this job. And we're back listening to One Direction as I was from the years 2013 to 2016. Yes, I am outing myself as a former Directioner. Oh, Rachel, are you saying you didn't know you were beautiful? I was not around for that era. That was the baby era. That was the take me home era. And I was not into that. Mm-hmm. Sure, Jan. Wow. Anyway, I would like to shout out one of our listeners, Ruth, who asked us, what the fuck is going on with Liam Payne, who for the perhaps many of you who skipped the One Direction era is a former member of the now defunct boy band One Direction. They've gone in several directions since. Earlier this week, Liam, um, the fifth member, the, I don't know, what a member of One Direction. <laughs> Wait, did they actually have numerical distinctions? No, no, no. I'm just thinking of in the lineup of members that most people know, I do actually feel like Liam might be the least well-known. That <laughs> used to be Niall, but he's come out with some bops. Um, and I think more people know him now. Anyway, Liam decided to get just a spicy on Logan Paul's podcast Impulsive and share some gossip about his former bandmates. I do love that this is once again a the middle of a Venn diagram of our interests. We've got One Direction on one side for you and against my will we have <laughs> Logan Paul's podcast which I have listened to many an episode of. You know it's a little something for everybody. 
What did Liam Payne say to Logan Paul? So I will start off by saying, as a former One Directioner, I keep up with their news. And the thing about then the that breakup... that means it's not former. No, it's like when you, when you have a high school best friend that you're no longer friends with, but you peek in on their Instagram every once in a while to see if they're like married or broken up with their boyfriend. Like, we're not friends anymore, but I'm still checking in. That's how I feel mm-hmm. about One Direction. Okay. So... This being said, they all individually rarely talk about One Direction as a band or the breakup. So any news that comes out immediately makes the fandom like sit up and their little ears perk up. So Liam starts out on this podcast by basically claiming, and I am saying claiming with a capital C because what follows is inaccurate. He claims that Simon Cowell created One Direction because of and for him because, and again, you would not know this unless you were a One Directioner, Liam had actually failed out of X Factor a few years before he was on the season that created One Direction. Part of the reason One Direction was made was because of Simon's promise to me that in two years... I'll make this work for you. Wow. So he kind of started with my face and then worked around the, the, the rest. I've never told that story before. So you, you, were, wow. you were the inception? I was the honorary member of One Direction, yes. And he told me that story himself in his house. Wow. In his house? I don't know what's more unbelievable about this story. Simon telling Liam about this in his house or that he would say this. But, you know, Simon was like the godfather of one direction and this sounds like something that you might say to talent to kind of make them feel special given the fact that we all know who the true star of one direction is and was and continues to be harry edward styles liam also decides that this interview with logan paul is a great place to air one direction's dirty laundry which is really what got the girls going. Like, no one cares about his delusions. They really care about the tea. Because, again, none of them ever really badmouth each other. I don't know if that's, like, an NDA. I don't know if that's, like, a maybe in 20 years when we're all irrelevant, we might want to do a comeback tour. I don't really know. But at one point, he talks about the tensions between him and fellow bandmate Louis Tomlinson. Louis was wild, and he wanted to be wild, and he's, that's his spirit. And also, he's my best mate now, but in the band, we hated each other. Like, to come to blows, hate each other. Like, it was like, it was... So here he's talking about the fact that he and Louis were very different in the band. He says Louis is kind of a person who really loves a party and Liam isn't. It's honestly somewhat troubling to hear how casually he speaks about violence between him and his bandmates. (laughs) But also, it's important to remember that I don't think any of them were over the age of, like, 25 when they were in One Direction, which is not an excuse for violence. But also, if you get a bunch of under 25-year-old boys together and give them a shit ton of money and attention and alcohol i this is not surprising to me at this point liam says the thing that actually gets the internet buzzing which is at one point in this interview logan asked about his own brother jake's interactions with zane malik he said hi to zane and like zane he jake felt like zane was disrespectful to him and he wanted to like say what's up and so jake tweeted at him and then he was screaming in his hotel room because the rooms were right next to each other. He was, he was, he was, and there was a video of it online. Screaming in his hotel room. I was like, I thought my brother was about to fight Zane. And then Gigi tweeted at Jay calling yeah. him like ugly and irrelevant. And that went crazy viral. And you know, Jake and is she ugly. Tweet, she tweeted something about, <laughs> but he's not irrelevant. Then she tweeted, she tweeted something about get yourself like a respectful man or something. Yeah, yeah. That and one didn't age very well. It didn't age. The- <laughs> 
Okay, this this is the part of the story I do actually know. <laughs> what Liam here is referring to is an incident last year where Zayn allegedly assaulted uh, Yolanda Hadid, the mother of his then partner, supermodel Gigi Hadid. Zayn denied those allegations, but also pled no contest to four counts of harassment. Not funny. Not just not funny. It's not, and Liam seemed to realize that because he was pretty quick to try and walk back what he said. No, 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 listen, 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 listen. Before, we, before, we, go, before we go too deeply into this, there's, there's, there's many reasons why I, I dislike Zane, and there's many reasons why I'll always, always be on his side. Let me guess. Liam's really sorry now. Mm-hmm. He is. Not least because these comments are some of the most explicit comments he's ever made about his former bandmates. Again, All five of these guys are really careful about what they say, usually. And there's a reason, because Liam very quickly came under fire for these comments and tweeted an apology the following day that says, Guys, I wouldn't normally comment on this stuff, but when it's your family, it's hard to let it slide. They mentioned a specific incident involving Zane, which I responded to, but listening back, maybe I didn't articulate myself as well as I could have. I was saying there will always be things we disagree on, but that I will always, always be on his side. That's family. Zane is my brother, and I will stand by him forever. Well, too bad, Liam. (laughs) Too bad, because, yeah, this joke was already on the record, and, you know, the internet does what it will with sound bites. One of, I think, the more, I'm not going to say surprising, because I could have seen this coming, but interesting things here is that... A whole lot of the reactions to this interview had to do with calling him out on his delusions of grandeur. But there was another strain that popped up from One Direction fans who have now managed to get the phrase, we will stand by Zayn and Liam trending on Twitter. That is in all caps, just so Mm. you know. The topic is filled with fan tweets sharing photos of the two over the years and rallying around both of these men because... Again, this is one of the most kind of explicit mentions of the breakdown of that friend group. Zayn left the band about a year before it officially stopped putting out music, before they went on a hiatus. They, I don't think, have ever officially broken up. Him leaving in the middle of a tour was one of the biggest rifts to ever happen in boy band history. It was wild watching this happen and even when he left the way this group messaged his leaving was very clearly kind of just PR like they were clearly dealing with this loss and this rift and didn't really know how to talk about it what this means is that the fandom has stepped in and kind of interpreted any comments over the past few years in whatever light they want to this specific light is um a ship Everybody, I think, who knows about One Direction knows about Larry Stylinson, which is the shit between Louis Tomlinson and Harry Styles. But it was five fairly attractive boys in a band constantly, like, roughhousing with each other and doing vaguely homoerotic things. So, like, obviously there were other ships involved. One of the most popular ones, obviously Larry Stylinson eclipses all of this, was what is called Zion, which is Zane and Liam. You could have, like, learned Mandarin. Why would I? I actually did try to learn Mandarin at some point. I took five years of <laughs> That's Mandarin why. in high school. That's why. <laughs> um, you could be better at it. I don't have a mind for languages. I do have a mind for 
interesting <laughs> fandom <laughs> politics. But so beyond the ships, there are a lot of directioners who are holding out hope for a reunion at some point. And so every single time these little tensions make their way out into the public, it's kind of taken as catastrophic. And so you have this combination of people who love Zayn and Liam's friendship slash potential relationship, whatever that was, and then people who are just really holding on tightly to the idea that at some point One Direction will make a comeback and taking Liam's comments as a dagger to the heart. Ruth, to your original question, you did also ask us what the hell this has to do with Dixie D'Amelio. And the best I can offer you is that Dixie and Liam put out a song together, a Christmas a Christmas tune, several years ago. <laughs> and that's why. So people are now like, yeah, okay, like <laughs> Liam made a song with Dixie D'Amelio. Zay made a song with Taylor Swift. Yeah, d- very different leagues, some might say. I think that's perhaps, Rachel, I'm sorry, all the time we have left to commit to the mind, the thoughts, the heart of uh, Liam Payne. No, I think that's accurate, though. If any of you are former directioners and wish to hop into our mentions and talk about your favorite theories from back in the day, feel free. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, it is time for high speed downloads about 19th century YouTubers and the Mormon mommy influencers whose uh, swinging lives are simply uh, falling apart, swinging out of control. More on that after the break. Hi y'all, I hope you're enjoying today's show. If this is your first time listening, then welcome. We are so happy to have you here joining the ICYMI family. We promise we're not a cult. In case you missed it, yes, I make that joke every single week. Our show comes out twice a week on Wednesdays and Saturdays. So make sure you never miss an episode like this past Wednesdays, which is all about how the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard trial took over the internet. You don't wanna miss it, check it out. All right, we are back with High Speed Downloads. In case you're new here, High Speed Downloads are a segment where uh, Rachel and I have 60 seconds to summarize a topic, trend, or story that is all over the internet. And uh, did I mention we do it at top speed? Basically, if you don't like listening to people talk really, really fast, we recommend you change your podcast playback speed to like half now. Rachel, you are up first. What do you have for us today? I have something that is so aggressively me, if you know anything about me, that it is stunning. I'm obsessed with this YouTube channel that's literally just called, and I quote, Early American. Oh boy. All right. Can't wait. You have approximately 60 seconds on the clock. Three, two, one, go. Okay, this channel was created in October 2020, which was a dark time for all of us, so this makes sense, by Ron Drayfield and Justin Doran. They're members of the Sons and Daughters of the American Revolution, which sounds racist but they're not they're really big history buffs actually i don't know if they're not racist don't don't quote me on that it says follow the daily lives of ron and justine as they meander through 1820s missouri so picture like the game the oregon trail but like only the part in town where you buy supplies before you depart and die dysentery no one's dying of dysentery in fact they're all about making these incredibly intricate period-based cooking like barley and leek soup and minced meat pie they're literally non-narrated so all you hear is the process sounds it's like ye old asmr the first <laughs> video features a recipe for funeral cookies the most popular video has five point 
1.4 million views and features 1807 macaroni and cheese. They also have morning routines of 19th century gentlemen and working class people and these incredibly elaborate imagined scenes like Tea with Aunt Meg, which are basically hilarious silent films with captured dialogue slash commentary. So in Tea with Aunt Meg, literally Aunt Meg starts stealing silverware from the house. There are actual reenactments with improvised dialogue like Justine's new job is already getting her in trouble. That was really good. I'm sorry, I absolutely lost it at ye old ASMR. That's what it is. You just see her like kneading dough and like chopping shit. And it is so elaborate and makes you realize how incredible the invention of electricity was. Rachel, in time-honored high-speed download tradition, you do get one more sentence to finish your thoughts. What do you got? I must say, A, that this is an extremely white endeavor, which I appreciate because I don't want to think about how American settlers interacted with um, indigenous or black people. And B, they recently bought a 200-year-old rope bed and stuffed the mattress full of straw. And this is just fascinating to me. I don't know if you could tell, but history is my favorite subject in, in school. All right. Now it's your turn, Madison. <laughs> We are finally at the topic that our listeners are actually dying to hear about, though I know at least three of you out there are excited to learn about the Early American YouTube channel. For the rest of you who emailed, tweeted, DM'd us about this, here it is. (laughs) I am back on my Mormon bullshit. Incredible. Godspeed. Three, two, one, go. Okay, the story starts with Taylor Frankie Paul, no relation to Jake or Logan, a Mormon mom on TikTok. She's an influencer. She lives in Draper, Utah. She's been making content with her other momfluencer neighbors as the Utah content house. So picture like generically hot women with matching long hair, matching balayage. I've watched way too many of these videos because if you know, you know, TikTok thinks I was once upon a time a member of the Church of the Latter-day Saints. There's this one mm-hmm. where they're like, they use that like, I want to ride, I want to ride video about like dick. I watched it what? a million times. She recently split from her husband, Tate Taylor. She has two kids, Indian Ocean, and she'd been posting videos in the past weeks <laughs> about moving out, becoming a single mom, sent her followers into a spiral wondering, hmm, what's going on there? Turns out her relationship allegedly ended because she cheated on her husband with another friend's husband. Some of the monfluencers uh, allegedly unfollowed her. They like comments about her cheating. Here's where things get weird. Here, not any of the what? things I just said. Taylor posts a live, which isn't available, where she reveals that she and her husband were allegedly quote unquote soft swingers and the Cheener friend group implied to be the other momfluencers were soft swinging together. The agreement was they could hook up with each other's spouses as long as their partners were in the room but not going all the way which i guess means like hand stuff's fine mouth stuff soaking Uh, the reason they're getting uh, divorced is because taylor swung with a friend's husband without her partner present breaking the rules the thing is half of taylor's stick is lying for clout like she at one point was pretending to be a 50 year old with 25 year old twins on tiktok (sighs) that was really impressive madison like you got i think more than I expected in that one minute. But in time-honored tradition, you get one more sentence. Well, my first sentence is, momfluencer is so hard to say fast. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, consonants in there. So like I said, lying on TikTok for clout is not even an original bit, but it's one that Taylor, Frankie, Paul... (laughs) Sorry, that's just so many first names. It's one that TFP has used before. (laughs) So it is unclear about how much of this is actually true. What kind of lies? Like I said, like she would post videos about how she was 50 years old. This woman is not 50. Why would you? That's such an easily disprovable lie. What's the point? Rachel, I watched the video. Now I'm talking about it with you. She wins. We lose. Damn. So this isn't true. This isn't real. We don't know. But, you know, there's one thing we know for certain that it's nothing like Mormons and sex to get people on TikTok interested and watching. You're right. But one more thing. I have one more question. Madison, what is soft swinging? I 
think, and this is not to uh, swing shame, it's just truly uh, <laughs> not a community I am familiar with. My understanding of soft swinging is the partner in a room. That feels to me like a difference without a distinction, but like, okay. <laughs> you know, I don't know what it all is. I don't have the answers, listeners. I'm sorry. The best I can offer you is what I have given you. And with that, I think it's time for us to soft swing on out of here. All right, that's the show. We will be back in your feed on Wednesday, so please subscribe. It is the best way to make sure you never miss an episode. I can't promise that Rachel won't go off on One Direction again, but hey, a girl can hope. Please leave a rating and review in Apple or Spotify and tell your friends about us. Follow us on Twitter. We are at ICYMI underscore pod or email us ICYMI at slate.com. In case this episode wasn't obvious, we really do love hearing from y'all and uh, we take everything you send us into consideration. ICYMI is produced by Daniel Schrader, Madison Lone Kircher, and me, Rachel Hampton. Alicia Montgomery is VP of Slate Audio. See you online. Or in a bedroom somewhere in Utah. Or like 1.75x. That's faster. That's still faster. Oops!